The premise of this panel is to start a dialogue on campus, and by no means are we experts on the issues discussed. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the views of Miss Student Council, the Middlebury Institute Monterey, or Middlebury. Warning, this podcast contains explicit content that may not be suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. This is our revival of Miss Radio. I am Gabe Sanders, the Communications Director for Student Council. And I'm Susan Wong, TLM Program Representative and second-year localization student at Miss. Uh, we are here with the team from Middlebury Institute of International Studies that won the MBA Business for a Better World competition in Davos uh, earlier in January. And we're going to let them introduce themselves. Well, thanks, Gabe. Um, I'm just going to jump in here. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Amin Beidou, and I'm MBA IPD. And uh, it's a real honor to be uh, the first guest here. So thank you guys for, uh, for the invite. Um, and I'm Aarti Dhar. Uh, I'm an MBA student first year. I'm Alexandra Cohen. I'm a first year MBA IPD student. And I'm Dan Swinard. I'm a second-year MBA student. Well, it's nice to meet all of you. Thanks for coming. It's our pleasure to have you. Um, so the first questions we wanted to ask, when did this whole thing begin? How did you come together? <laughs> uh, well, so the Miss actually takes a pretty um, unique approach to case competitions. Um, they put it on the uh, banner web, and you can sign up for it as an immersion class. But in order to be accepted, you have to send in your resume and the faculty advisors go over it and then select, you know, select the members. And so that happened last fall semester. And then we, I think we had our first meeting at Alvarado Pub <laughs> shortly after finding out and uh, just started getting, know, getting to know each other then. It's a great way to start, I think. Yeah. Lots of good moments in Alvarado. Absolutely. Um, so... You started last fall. When did that? When did the theme for the project start emerging? Um, well, the initial phase was to um, so uh, Sandra Da, who's one of our professor, one of our advisors, um, sort of tried to preempt what the mandate of the case study would be because we didn't know until a few weeks later what the actual case study topic would be. So she started. She tried to preempt the system and tried to give us master classes in finance. Um, which was kind of useful, but um, we eventually got the mandate, which uh, we can sort of delve into later, um, which was a little helpful. And then sort of the process was just to brainstorm ideas um, uh, about what our proposal would be, uh, which was uh, more than a month. I would say around a month till we actually finalized on what what our idea would be. Yeah, and just jumping in for a second, we knew, so we knew right off the bat that we were working with BNP Paribas, mm. which is what, the seventh seventh largest bank in the world? It's French bank. They do the um, tennis tournaments. That's right, exactly, tennis tournaments. Um, so we knew that we were working with them, so that's, so that's part of the reason that, or that was the direction that Sandra was taking us in before we got the prompt. Gotcha. I think um, once we figured out that 
the case involved financial institution, it got a little bit easier to start tailoring mm. the types of material that we would have to cover and just to prepare ourselves before getting the details of the actual case. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So anyone can jump in, feel free. Um, tell us about the details about it. We understand it's called the Smart Roads Project. Um, so give us a little introduction for um, our Total community. novices. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're total novices with this, so yeah. please let us know and share with the world on You don't want to hear about capital stacks? Um, you know, we can get to that. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear about capital <laughs> stacks. That was Dan's stacks section. Stacks on stacks on stacks. <laughs> All right, yeah, so I saw stuff about dynamic wireless power transfer and Wi-Fi. I saw solar road tops and roadside open road tolling. I kind of get it on the surface, but I'm sure that's not enough. Tell me more. All right, um, so that was mostly my section. Uh, so I did a lot of research about what the next generation of roads are gonna look like. So, and we had these sort of three, four different technologies that we, um, that we basically suggested BNP go into. The first one is dynamic wireless power transfer system, which means that when you have your Tesla or whatever electric vehicle you have, you start to run low on battery, right? So instead of stopping and refueling like you traditionally would, there's a lane on the highway where you can drive over it and literally charge your car as you go. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. it sounds kind of sci-fi, yeah. right? But they do that here in Monterey, I think, with the bus system. Yeah, they have some coils in the ground that recharge the really? uh, the transit. It yeah. must be some similar technology. I'm sure it's it's inductive charging. Yeah. So it's the same thing that charges your smartphone um like those wirelessly. Pads. Yeah. So it's the same same idea but for a car. So that's one uh there's solar road tops which is, you know, you just put solar paneling on top of a road essentially and since is instead of asphalt and that exists in France. And the last one is like open road tolling system, which is really boring. Um, it exists right now. It's just like, it's literally, if you drive down the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, you get open road tolled, basically. Like so just, Fast track for everybody. Exactly. Gotcha. So you don't have to stop or, or anything. Um, so those were the new sort of technologies that we incorporated into the smart road. Gotcha. Thank you. So where do you see smart roads being viable? Um, this seems like a really innovative idea, where do we see it? I think the reason that we were so excited about this project is that it's applicable anywhere. So mm -hmm. you can look at developed countries that are upgrading their infrastructure and it's a great way to um, to make their existing infrastructure more sustainable and reduce carbon right. emissions. It can also be used in emerging and developing countries. Um, we had talked for a while about sort of leapfrogging over the traditional um, industrialization and uh, development process and skipping over some of the negative impacts. So really, anywhere. Um, right. So as Alex said, it's applicable anywhere. But um, I think for the purposes of our uh, presentation and our proposal, um, one prompt we got from PNP Paribas, I think, um, before round two was they wanted us to focus on the Asia-Pacific One Belt, One Road initiative because there's tons of money there right now for infrastructure investments. And um, and there's just a lot of uh, sort of uh, promising uh, news that coming that's coming out of a lot of emerging economies, especially in Asia-Pacific, um, uh, because I think countries are now they have some of the most sort of populate, populous countries, and there's the governments there are kind of um, almost um, catching up to the fact that they need to make some huge decisions now to keep up with the huge sort yeah. of 
demographic and environmental shifts that are taking place. So, um, so that so for our purposes of our presentation, it was most of the Asia Pacific region. Got it. Awesome. All right. So, I have a big question mark here next to the question: What is smart financing? So you got smart roads. I, I know it's probably a complex topic, but I, I could tell it was a big part of your presentation from the slides. Is there a way you can explain it to us in relative layman's terms? I mean, we are all graduate students, hopefully, um, who have some idea how to pretend like we know what we're talking about. But what can you tell us? Um, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It's, uh, <laughs> Thank you. So I Very brave. quick. Uh, um, just a, um, a quick statement saying the smart financing, smart road, and all that on the slides. It's kind of a branding thing we were trying for. So I'll, I'll talk to you about financing. Sure. Um, so we were thinking, because it's a smart road and there's all this technology involved with it, it's not just a, a slab of concrete or asphalt. We would have construction and engineering firms. They'd design it, build it, whatever. But then we also have tech firms. Their, their technology is being used in the project, and so they have skin in the game. They need to make sure that that road gets built by a certain time or their technology is obsolete. Hmm. And so we're using tech companies as, um, as kind of financial leverage in the project to speed the project along, make sure it's hitting these benchmarks, um, but then also they provide, they provide another source of funding. And so we don't have to, we don't have to rely um, like traditional infrastructure pr procurement on government bonds or direct loans. We can actually get financing from these multiple different channels, and I mean use it at different stages in the in the project and have less strings attached. And that's that's my attempt. Okay. I, I have a better understanding than I did about two minutes ago. Um, all right. So I think I heard in there that there are advantages for smart financing by kind of putting the, uh, the onus on the tech companies that are manufacturing the parts for a smart road, whether it be solar panels or the, you know, powering panels in the lanes. Uh, how, how is it that that really presents an advantage over using government-sponsored infrastructure projects? Uh, well, we, um, we like to think it's advantageous over the traditional method because um, we're securing different revenue streams. Like that dynamic wireless power transfer, the solar road tops, open road tolling, those are all different sources of money coming in. And traditional roads don't have that. And so we're using this different form of financing because we're looking down the future and we're seeing the money coming in and we're making sure the interested parties recoup their money um, and can actually stand to benefit from, from the usage of their, their technology and their innovation. We also have to keep in mind that while the smart infrastructure is benefiting particular countries, our mandate was both to address the Sustainable Development Goals, and a particular department within PNP, uh, BNP Paribas. Right. They are corporate institutional investors. So we were looking at creative ways to increase their revenue and come up with new streams of revenue for them and securitize it by a more creative version of a public-private partnership, for example. Okay, and that, it's, it's coming together more and more. Okay, 
Thank you. I want to ask, um, circling back, what were your greatest challenges working as a team? It sounded like, based on what um, Dan said, you know, the group came together a bit quick. So going into Davos, what were maybe challenge or challenges that you guys encountered? And anyone can take this question. <laughs> Some of it was just um, we are busy students um, with extremely um, sort of hectic uh, workload. Um, Alex and I are first year students, so we had a lot of like um, new sort of introductory courses to sort of new subject matter, which requires a lot of time and effort. So, and not only that, um, you know, we are trying to um, sort of uh, coordinate four different schedules. Then we had the break in the middle, the winter break, um, and we were sort of in different parts of the world. Um, and that was that was a critical point right before the actual competition. So. Working around that, I would say a lot of it was just um, logistics and managing expectations. Yeah, and uh, Artie's being very modest here, but um, <laughs> Artie also lives about, what, an hour and a half away? Two yes. hours away? Um, I live in Balal. <laughs> so she would, there were times you'd drive in for a one, two hour meeting and then drive back? So yeah, for a two-hour meeting, <laughs> I'm on the road for three hours, which is fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> used to it now. Also, just to paint another picture, our round two product was a 35, 40-page detailed business plan that was due the week after Thanksgiving break. Mm -hmm. And we, even before Thanksgiving, we all split town. So we were trying to coordinate things via Zoom meetings and conference calls. And it was, I honestly, we submitted round two and we said, okay, I, you know, we got this far. That's good enough. Because <laughs> uh, it was it was pretty bad. Wow. Well, apparently it wasn't well, that so bad. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. that bad. Sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. It wasn't that bad. But our stress level going into it and our relative level of preparedness – wasn't up to the standard at which we would have liked to operate. Okay. That's a better way to put it. Sorry. I did notice a very clear shift between round one and round two. Round one, we were spending considerable amounts of time together as a group, working collaboratively, coming up with the ideas, and all sort of taking equal ownership over it. Just by being split around the world, we did have to divide tasks up more. So it did take more time before submitting it to get everything tailored to a more uniform product. So I think that, that that was certainly one of the biggest challenges sure. in round two. Okay, so if you could give, we have a lot of teamwork to do here at MIST to get our degrees. Like, what would be one suggestion you could make, you know, either individually or collectively for how to get something like this done? I think one of our biggest strengths, and I think this was um, really by virtue of Sandra Dow and UHE, our two mentors, is that they really selected a team with diverse experiences and backgrounds. So rather than sort of self-selecting a group that we spend all of our time with anyway, um, it really helps to have different perspectives and different skill sets, and it really added tremendous value, I thought, overall to our project. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. And on that same note, when did you realize or when did it hit you that you guys might win this, that this was the winning project? Honestly, this, that's, a, that's actually that's a great question. Um, and you know that last year's team also won it. So we were... We came into it being like, at least I personally came into it being like, uh, if we don't go to Switzerland, that's going to be uh, at least a little bit of a disappointment, to say the least. Um, 
so we we're just we we had a very high expectation and a high standard and to be perfectly honest i suspect that uh that Miz puts in a lot more hours into this uh, than other teams might, especially considering the final, the, what the final projects looked for the other two teams. I think that, from what I understand, our product was kind of head and shoulders above some of the competition. And, I mean, we put a lot of time into this. And it paid off, but we did put a lot of time into it. Well, apparently it was enough time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I, I can imagine there was pressure, but, you know, it sounds like you rose to the challenge. Um, did you have anything? Yeah, I was I was wondering, you know, aside from the intensity and the pressure to succeed and triumph with this amazing project, you know, on a, be more candidly, you know, what did you enjoy most about the experience at Davos? Oh, We'd yeah. love to hear about that. Please. Is there a particular anecdote or a, a crisis or an event that <laughs> pulled you guys to be like more of an equipped team or was there something else? Personally for me, I mean, I was excited to be there and sort of take advantage of the fact that we are um, sort of at the World Economic Forum and we can, we have this opportunity to meet some sort of trailblazers, quote unquote, around the world and listen to them um, and some of the thought leaders. So. Um, my excitement to attend that or sort of, you know, participate more in with sort of in that um, versus preparing for the actual presentation. Um, that was like a struggle for me. Um, we were always sort of negotiating uh, times of practice versus, um, you know, because we are there for only two days. Yeah. Um, so you want to sort of uh, manage both of that. And um, I think, uh, personally speaking, I wish I could have participated more in the, the panels and the discussions. Um, so, yeah, um, regardless, I mean, it was still a great, exp I mean, great experience. Um, but, yeah, so that was personally. I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, as far as the actual overall competition, um, I love having a problem to deal with and to figure out what the actual problem is and how to sort of come up with a strategy on how to approach it. Um, and as I mentioned, we all have such different perspectives on it that it was great seeing how bits and pieces of different ideas came together into this one product. The fondue didn't hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard they're lot, well known for that. A lot of fondue, a lot of chocolate, a lot of beer. It's the fuel of champions. It sounds <laughs> evidently, yeah. Um, so you were there during the WEF, the Economic Forum. Um, did you get to rub shoulders with anybody or see people, interact with them, get tips from them, you know, anything like that? Yeah. Um, inadvertently, uh, <laughs> we sort of stumbled into people. We didn't really meet people we were seeking out um, because it's like it's dead winter, you know, like a little Swiss village. Mm. Um, walking is an issue. Um, and it sort of spread out. So, you know, sort of going in between events takes time. Um, but uh, we kind of stumbled into a bunch of like, um, Amin and I stumbled into Malala uh, on the street. Okay. Um, that was right after we won. So we were um, happy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an understatement. Sure, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, as we ran into her, uh, who, uh, we, uh, we deliberately uh, went into a Will I Am event and did hear him speak. Um, 
And who else? I think one memorable moment as we're literally waiting to go in and give our presentation is we're standing in the hallway in front of the conference room and there are a number of rooms so there are people coming and going to their various events and at one point we're standing there rehearsing to ourselves and uh, Bill Gates walked right by us. Okay. And yeah, so it was just you're in the middle of all of the people walking around and just going about their day and going to their events and that's real. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Um, I thought it was a pretty good omen. Yeah. I would say so. So this was right before you went in. Literally like right. So you like standing outside the room rehearsing and Dan turns to us he goes I think that was Bill Gates. <laughs> so a little bit of that rubbed off on you guys. Yes, a little bit of the yeah, magic yeah. fairy dust. We literally said to each other, that's good omen. Yeah, <laughs> it must have been. Wow. Davos team, we, we want to thank you for coming here today and sharing your experiences with us um, and sharing with the greater Miss community here. Um, before we go, <laughs> we again, we want to thank... Uh, Alex, Arthi, Amin, and Dan for coming here today. And before we go, we, we want to ask the Miss community, you know, what projects are you excited about? What are you working on for your classes? Tell us more by emailing Gabe Sanders at gbsanders at miss.edu. You could be featured on our Miss Radio blog page. Uh, we want to, again, thank the Davos team for sharing their amazing experiences with us today. In addition, Mark Bass for producing, Bob Cole and So Young Jun at the DLC for getting Miss Radio off the ground again, and we'll see you next time. Not to mention Rodwa for getting this on uh, live cam. Oh yeah! Uh, thank you, thank <laughs> you for having us. Okay, thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. Good luck with the with the rest of the podcast. Thank, thank you. you. We'll keep you uh, apprised. Speaking of keeping you apprised, on our next episode, Susan Rodwin and I will have a panel discussion on Black history with another new co-host, Ianthi. Our panelists will be fellow students, Shanae Mailer, Christina Lee, and Aminata Wuri. Can't wait for you to hear this one. We believe that Black history doesn't belong to just one month of the year. Black history is American history, and we're going to discuss what this means to our panelists along with their thoughts on diversity and their experiences as Black people here at Miss and abroad. Down the road, we'll have interviews with more Miss students, Miss alumni, faculty, and maybe even you. Write in and let us know what you think about what you've heard and what you'd like to hear. To share your thoughts, shoot me a message at gbsanders at miss.edu or look up the Miss Radio blog page. Google will show you the way. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.